turn with me back to the prophet book of Amos, Amos chapter number 7, of course been stuck there for a few days, and again we had a <clears throat> new addition, I guess you could say, to the church early this morning, a little after 2, and uh, little Bellamy Carter Reeves entered into this world, and uh, so we're thankful for them, and mom's doing well, baby's doing well, he was 7.47 pounds, 21 inches long, and uh, so I know they're, they're excited, and a wore out, I don't know if they slept any. We got some more getting ready to experience that same thing here real, real soon. We all remember Sister Savannah, and uh, of course, we're, that's, it's always an exciting time. Uh, sort of a nerve-wracking time, I guess, too. I remember those days. It's been a long time ago, it seemed like, but I uh, appreciate God's goodness to our church, to our church family, and uh, certainly we're excited about them uh, having the new edition early this morning. But again, tonight, Amos chapter number 7 is uh, where we're going to look for just a few minutes tonight. I hope it'll be a help, hope it'll be a blessing to you. And, uh, man, it's a power-packed book. I think I shared with you maybe last week or something or other. I remember when I was in school, and uh, <clears throat> I had two books, and they're back-to-back here. I had the book of Amos, and I had the book of Obadiah. And both of them had to do a 100-page essay report, uh, research-style papers. And, uh, man, there's, you know, there's nine chapters here in the book of Amos. You go to the book of Obadiah, there's only one chapter. And I thought, man, I ain't no way I'll get 100 pages. I got well over 100 pages on that. Had some good stuff over there. And I just appreciate God's goodness. I appreciate his word. Man, it'll speak to your heart. And the more you look at it, uh, you, it's not like new truth has been invented. But sometimes God reveals things to you and you see things that you didn't see before. And I appreciate God speaking to us. And, you know, this is a spiritual book in which we have. A lot of folks say, I just can't understand the Bible. Well, it takes the Holy Spirit of God. And that illumination to impart that truth. It's a spiritual book that was penned down by the Holy Spirit. We believe in inerrancy. We believe in inspiration. What does that mean? That means God breathed. Now, there was many authors, uh, at least 40 authors of our 66 books, the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New. But they had one, one common denominator. Those men didn't write what they wanted to. The Holy Spirit breathed upon them. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, according to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And it's given by inspiration, and it's interpreted by, by inspiration. A lot of folks say, man, if I, can just, if I can find the newest commentary, if I can just read enough commentaries, I'll get truth. No, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. I've said it over and over again. It's worth re-implementing that uh, there's things in the Old Testament you will not understand without the New Testament. There's things in the New Testament you will not understand uh, back in the Old Testament. A lot of folks say, well, you know, this, this certain passage just hangs, hang, it's hung me up. There's been times where I've hit a passage in the Old and, and uh, man, I just, just couldn't get it. And there's still things that I don't, I hadn't fully got a grasp on, but man, I just keep waiting. You keep laboring. And God's not in the habit of blessing lazy people, by the way. You get in that book and you study that book and God will be faithful to reveal that truth to you. But here in Amos chapter number 7, a very powerful book. And it's considered some of the minor prophets, but he had a major message as all of them 
did. Don't minimize that because somebody says, well, that's just the mind. That's just Jonah. That's Micah. That's Habakkuk. And, and Zechariah and Zephaniah. Those are Malachi. All those are minor. No, they had a major message. Don't just focus on Jeremiah and Isaiah, which are considered major. All of them had a major message from the Word of God. And we've already looked, and I'm going to try not to go back and, and, and to drive, drive too many points home. But again, we learn by repetition. Do remember during this time, as Amos, he's just a country preacher. That's what you'd call him. He's a herdman. He's a gatherer of sycamore fruit. You'll find that later on in chapter number 7. We looked at a few of those verses already. He was a simple preacher with a simple message from God. And when you think about this book to the north, of course, that's basically where he was targeting. Uh, there's a lot of false worship that was going on during this time, but there was a lot of stability. There's a lot of strength. There's a lot of security because to the north, this was written and this was Amos prophesied during the divided kingdom where it was split to the north, where the capital would have been in Samaria. And during this time, Jeroboam II had been reigning for 41 years, and he reclaimed a lot of the lost territory that had been taken by previous nations to the land of Israel. And certainly he got back all the way back almost to Transjordan, took a lot of that territory back. Well, to the south, you had a good godly king by the name of Uzziah who reigned for 52 years. So there was security. There was strength. Man, luxury was abounding. And we've already looked. Man, people were more interested in making money than they were coming to the place of worship. And boy, there's a lot of parallels to Amos's day unto our day. But can I say the same God that met the need in Amos's day can meet the need in our day as well? Because what I want to preach on tonight is this: is the blessing of a praying people to a land. The blessing of a praying people to a land. Now, as we look at this. There was one singular man by the name of Amos that prayed. But by way of application, you can look at that not only individually, but collectively as a blessing to the people of any land that'll, that people that will pray. Amos made a difference. I've already preached on that. Somebody made a difference, and Amos did. Remember, there's three visions that Amos got. Now, again, if you say, well, yeah, I got this vision, this, this is... This is pre-before we had the canon of Scripture. They didn't have the canon of Scripture. God gave him a message. And the first one was, was a message of judgment that God was going to send those grasshoppers, which were locusts, to the ladder cutting of the grass. And listen, the first belonged unto the king. And this second, right at the right time, God was going to send these, these grasshoppers and locusts, was going to devour the grass that Israel needed to sustain their cattle, their livestock throughout the year. And when, when Amos saw that, he begged God, and he beseeched God. He said, Jacob is small. In other words, small in comparison to the rest of the world. Now, we can sort of apply that today, too, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 13 and 14, Entering into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go there, but straight is the gate, and narrow is the way uh, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Did you know the child of God, I'm talking about born-again Christians, we are in the minority, even in America. Barack Obama hit the nail on the head back, I don't know how many years ago it was, and it sort of upset me when it said it, but, you know, he, he was really telling, probably one time he was telling the truth. He said, America is no longer a Christian nation. And that's right. We're in the minority. Sin will still be the doom of this nation. Again, I don't want to live anywhere else, thank God, for the freedoms that we do have. But I'm telling you, we've come a long way, and we're in the minority. And understand this, Amos was in the minority during this day, and he said, Jacob... Is small, Lord, if you withhold your hand, he'll not survive. What did God do? God stayed his hand. God said, this shall not be. Well, then he sent him this second vision. We're going to look at tonight, the devouring fire. We hit on this a little bit on Sunday, Sunday morning. And this devouring fire would come. We're going to find the same response from God. God stays his hand. And then there'll be a third judgment that God levies out that, that, that went on through. And that was the vision of the plumb line. But tonight we're looking at this devouring fire that comes. But again, I'm preaching on this thought, the blessing of a praying people to a land. Somebody said, you know, preacher, i got a lot of problems in my life. Well, just join the crowd. What Job said, Job 14, one man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of what? Full of trouble. 
Trouble's going to come. You may have troubles. You may have heartaches. And sometimes we often like to complain maybe to one another. We may want to gossip to somebody about our complaints and our criticisms and all of our problems. But we'd be better off taking those complaints and those criticisms to the Lord. Amen. Why? Because there's a blessing of a praying people to a land. Here's a simple herdman, a simple gatherer of sycamore fruit. Yet he hit his knees. He won his battles on his knees, and God stayed his hand. Notice verse number 4. This is the second vision that he's seen. Amos chapter 7 and verse 4. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep, and did eat up a part. Now, that still blesses me. Now, I, I don't know if y'all got that or not. But part of that's going to be devoured. So that means Amos got to see part of of it destroyed and devoured. But there was a part that was not. Well, thank God for that exemption. There's always going to be a remnant. Thank God as the primitive quartet hit it best when they sung that song. The only fire I'll ever feel is the one that's burning in my heart. How's that possible, preacher? The choir just sang about it. His name is Jesus. But look at verse 5. Then said I, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. That's exactly what he said the first time when he seen the grasshoppers that was going to come and destroy the land. He said, listen, Lord, I I beseech you, I beg you, whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. But look at verse 6. The Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord God. Now let's pray. Father, we sure do love you. We thank you, God, again for your word tonight. Thank you for the good singing. We do have so much to thank you for. I do thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for a place called heaven. God, I do appreciate your word. Lord, we know that you magnify your word above your own name. Now, God, I pray that you'd help me to rightly divide it tonight. pray that you'd speak to every heart. Help this feeble preacher to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lift up saved sinners on the way to hell. I pray for the child of God needs encouragement tonight. God, I pray that you'd stir our hearts. Help us to glean something from the word of God. Remove every hindrance and distraction. We'll thank you and praise you for we ask it all in Jesus. Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, this second vision uh, that Amos has seen is concerning this devouring fire. Now, that is an element of judgment that God has used. We've already looked at that. Fire is an emblem of His power. We understand that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, even the Word of God, they're, they're symbolic of fire. And we see that how consuming it is. The Bible even said, For our God is a consuming fire. But when you look at this text, we think about, uh, I think, especially through the first six verses, the main premise of that and the main point is God allows Amos to see these judges that are coming. And Amos didn't complain. He just simply begged God. That word beseech means to beg. And he prayed and he stayed God's hand the first time with the grasshopper, second time right here with the devouring uh, fire. How in the world did he get to that point? Well, if you think about New Testament theology to the day and hour in which we're living today, I always go back. It humbles me, Brother Harold, when I think about the disciples. Now, think with me for just a moment. Some were fishermen. Some were tax collectors. Some were, uh, you know, just common folk. That, that Jesus come along, he said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the scripture said numerous times that they forsook all. Some of them dropped their nets. They forsook all, and they followed the Lord. And as they did, man, that's a demonstration of great faith. They left everything behind. They left their family. They left their fortune. They really left their freedom because they became enslaved as a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were with him. They had witnessed the healing of the blind man. They had witnessed the leprosy uh, being removed. They had seen the dead raised to new life. And over and over again, those that came in on beds that couldn't walk. And, and then Jesus, by his own words, would heal them. And they would carry their bed out. They saw the winds and the waves come, and Jesus just simply speak the word, and the winds and the waves cease. And they said, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? They demonstrated all that, and have been front and center with him, and yet they come back and they say this. Get it now. Luke chapter 11, and verse number 1, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach better. Teach us to be a better witness. No. Luke 11 and verse number 1, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, if a crowd that forsook all, family, fortune, freedom, 
forsook all and followed the Lord Jesus Christ and had witnessed all that, been, been with him 365, uh, 365 days a year. They had witnessed all that. And some time had passed by the time you get to the context of Luke chapter number 11. And they come back and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. That humbles me because the disciples hadn't figured it out. I wonder how many of us hadn't figured it out. All of us, man, we, we, we've got a lot of work to do. I'm talking about this preaching. I'm speaking to myself. When it comes to a relationship of prayer, that's something that's needed. But there's a blessing of a praying people to a land. You know, one of the reasons, Brother Harold, that the U.S. is the way that it is, I'm talking about the freedoms that we have. Many, many, many years ago, our founding fathers and, and on down through time really have, have been on their knees. They, they've, they've held up the blood-stained banner of the Word of God. Now, that's missing today. But there's still a blessing of a praying people to a land. I still believe that's one of the reasons God hadn't just completely wiped us out because there's a remnant that does believe in prayer, that does believe in beseeching God, and there's the blessing of a praying people to a land. And I hope that makes sense. But the disciples said, Lord, I, I, you're going to have to help us, teach us to pray. Now, you think about this tonight. There's three things I'm going to give you, a few little subpoints, real, real simple. But look at verse number four. I want you to notice the recipe. Now, we've already looked. At the first three verses, God sent those grasshoppers. That was the judgment that Amos was to see as it has already happened. But yet he prayed, and God stayed his hand and said, This shall not be. Well, God let him see this second vision, and God's recipe here for judgment was to use a devouring fire. Notice what it said in verse 4. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep, and did eat up a part. Now, it's worth hitting again. The locust would affect and impact up from the ground surface up. As that ladder growth shot up off the grass, that's what the locust focused on. That was the first judgment that God stayed his hand. This second judgment not only affected above the surface, but it went subterranean under the surface. How do you know? Well, notice again what it said. It devoured the great deep and did eat up a part. Again, I'm glad a part of it wouldn't. That's where God's mercy, His compassion, His grace, and boy, that exemption, that remnant that God spared. But notice when you think about this, there's the surface effect of, the, of this recipe that God has this devouring fire. There's a surface effect, and then there's a subterranean Effect. Now, when a fire comes, we've already talked about that. When a fire comes, something dies. You know, we went back over toward Mount Airy the other day. I told you about that fire on Saturday night. Man, it was burning again, I guess, on, on Monday or Tuesday when I come back through. I seen the smoke. But there was less building there than there was on Saturday. Why? Because that fire had continued to eat away and eat away. Now, if you'd have stood at a certain place and looked back, you could almost see Pilot Mountain uh, now, where before there was a house that would have been in that way. But when a fire comes, it, it removes things. It purifies things. But think about the surface effect. Think about trees. Think about vegetation. Think about grass. Think about structures. You could go on and on and on that would be destroyed with the surface effect of this devouring fire. That's what Amos lays his eyes on. And this is a judgment because of the sin of God's people. Now, the Word of God said this in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 22. For a fire is kindled in mine anger. That's the element so many times that God uses fire as judgment. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. How I don't know if that's last year, year before last year. Remember, uh, well, I know this past year we had Sire Town. Sire Town Mountain, you could see the glow to a certain degree. And you could see the smoke just billowing because that mountain was on fire. Now, a couple years ago, whenever it was, time goes by so quickly. But you, you could see Pilot Mountain on, I guess, the southern face. When we'd come home, go home from church like on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, you could see that glow, Brother Wayne, up on that mountain. And that fire would just, and you could see it grow. 
Now, during the daytime, you could see the smoke and you could see the blackness where the fire had been. There was a surface effect. That's what Amos gets a glimpse of. God said, this is what I'm going to do because of sin. There's a surface effect. Not only is there a surface effect, but there's a subterranean effect. Because the Bible said in the last part of verse number 4, And it, that is that fire, it devoured the great deep and did eat up a part. That subterranean effect is the great deep. Now, there's a lot of commentaries and commentators that believe this is the ocean. I don't believe it was the ocean at all. This great deep, often mentioned in the Word of God, has to do with the springs that feed the rivers and the bodies of water on this planet. And because the Bible said this in Genesis 7, there's a lot of folks that still hold to this and they get hung up. They say, well, I just don't believe that the whole world was covered with water. You think about the highest peak there is, and I don't know exactly what that is. I didn't research it, didn't look it up. It don't matter. God said every hill and every mountain was covered. Believe that? Absolutely, I do. But a lot of folks say, well, I just don't believe uh, that it rained in 40 days, 40 out, there'd be enough water to flood the horde. Now, wait a minute. We've seen in just a few hours, you get four, five, six inches of rain, you see what happens. Now imagine 40 days, and this, these are just isolated things, what we deal with. Think about the whole planet, but it wasn't just coming from above. It was coming from beneath. You see, I believe every hill and every mountain was covered. Because when God broke through in judgment in Genesis chapter number 7, it was raining for 40 days and 40 nights, but listen to this in Genesis 7 and verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep. Fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open. You see, the great deep is that what, what funnels and what channels your, your springs and your rivers and your bodies of water. This fire that Amos saw... Listen, not only would there be a surface effect, but there was a subterranean effect because a great deep would have been consumed and a part was spared. I get that. I know what the Word of God said, but look at Deuteronomy 33 and verse 13. And this is basically when Moses, right after the song of Moses, he begins to bless the 12 tribes of Israel. And when he gets to Joseph, listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 13. And of Joseph he said, Blessed to the Lord be his land, for the precious things of heaven, for the dew, and for the deep that coucheth beneath. Oftentimes in the Word of God, those fountains underneath that, that support the springs and the rivers and the fountains of water come from a great deep. It's mentioned like that. That is the fire, and that subterranean effect is what Amos has saw. He's seen the trees burn up with a surface effect. He's seen the grass. He's seen the vegetation. He's seen homes. He's seen structures. He's seen the mountains on fire. But man, it went all the way down into the great deep. And that's the recipe that God's using. And some of them might say, well, now, wait a minute, God was awful harsh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God was so rich in mercy time and time and time again, extending grace when it wasn't deserved. And he's still doing that today, by the way. But when you look at this, the recipe that God allowed Amos to see was this devouring fire that was going to have a surface effect a subterranean effect, but I want you to notice the request. You see the recipe, but I want you to notice the request. And this is super simple, but oftentimes we struggle with the simplest things. Notice what he said in verse 5. Then said I, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise, for he is small. Notice that word beseech, and I've already shared this numerous times. That word beseech means to beg. Now, now everybody get this right here now. There's a lot of folks, when you start talking about prayer, you start talking about uh, discipleship, you start talking about evangelism, oh, oh, I've heard that, I know this and I know that. We struggle with sometimes with the most basic elementary things. We do. And when it comes to prayer, you know, prayer is important. We say it, it's not just a cliche, prayer changes things, but do we do it like we should? The disciples had forsook all and followed the Lord, and they've been with the Lord for several years, and they had to say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They confessed they needed help in that department. 
Did they know how to complain? I'm sure they did. Did they know how to criticize? I'm sure they did. But they, they confessed that they didn't know how to pray and they needed the Lord to help them. And I'm convinced I'm the same way. You know, prayer is important. But you know what the important thing is? Is for us to do it. I'd ask you this, and you, only you can answer this now. What have you asked God for today? What have, you, what have you prayed to God for about today? How much time have you spent today? How about this week? We're sitting on Wednesday. Sunday's the first day of the week. What about this year? Here we are, what is it, 17th, 17th day of January? How much of an investment? You say, oh, preacher, man, I, I look at my 401k, I look at my investments, man, I, I'm logged into that stuff, man, I know what I got, I, I, I'm focused on that. How's your focus on your prayer life? How much have you invested Oh, I've invested this here in 401k and, and investments over here. And that's great, man. I, I believe you ought to plan. You ought to prepare a, a failure to plan as a plan to fail. But how much investing have you done on your knees? Well, you might say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I can't get on my knees. You know, there's a lot of postures in the Bible when it talks about it. I preached on that before. Sometimes you can stand. Sometimes you can kneel. Sometimes you can get between with your head between your knees. That's mentioned in the Word of God. Sometimes laying prostrate out on the ground. Listen, the, the posture is really not that important. It's just doing it. And don't tell me there's no needs because they are needs. Oftentimes we say, well, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call such and such. I'm going to tell them about my problem. And that's good. I'm glad we got people tangible we can talk to. But the best thing we can do is talk to the Lord about it. Just look around. the pro- Look at the chaos. Have you ever seen so much hatred in our world? I mean, just people shooting people. I know, it's, I know there's always been wickedness. I get that. I know hearts are going to wax cold and it's going to get worse and worse. I get all that. I understand. But think about the wickedness. And we talk about that. We, might, we can complain about it. We can grumble about it. But you know what? There's a blessing to a praying people to a land. Don't miss that. There's a blessing of a praying people to a land. Now, the request was this. God give him the recipe. Amos, I'm going to let you see the surface effect consumed. But apart, I'm going to let you see the subterranean effect. The fountains of the great deep is going to be burned up, but apart. And then Amos had a request. He said, Lord, I beseech you. I beg you. Please. That's basically what he said. Lord, you stayed your hand with the grasshoppers. Lord, I need you. To... And you know what? I'm glad. Think about this. I'm glad God not only answers our prayer one time, he'll answer it again and again. <laughs> And again, man, I'm glad he's faithful, even when we're not. And he'll do that. And he's proven himself faithful down through the years. And why in the world don't we ask more than we do? I think about the simple concept. Again, simple things sometimes we struggle with. Matthew chapter 7, verse, and it's a great ASK. You can't miss that. ASK, ask, seek, and not. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. But how much are we asked for? How much are we seeking him for? How much are we knocking? Do we just get one knock? Well, he didn't answer, so I'm going to quit. No, there, there's some great evidences in the Bible of persistency and staying after us. You got lost loved ones, man, it's to keep asking, keep seeking, keep a knocking. You got problems, you got a financial issue, you got a health issue, you got some kind of burden. Only when's the last time you asked God about it? When's the last time you sought God about it? When's the last time you knocked? And if you've been knocking, keep on knocking. That's the important thing to do. For you and I, and I think about this, and the beseeching that Amos had, that was his request. So you notice the recipe, because I'm, I'm landing, finding a landing spot right here on this last one. The recipe that Amos saw was a surface effect of this devouring fire that's consuming the trees, the vegetation, the, the, all of that, the mountains. I mean, the structures. It's consuming the surface. And then subterranean, the great deep. Is going to be consumed. And there's a part. There's a remnant. Oh, yeah, there's an exemption. There always is. God's always faithful to do that. But then there was a request. God saw, or Amos saw it. I mean, he begged God the first time over those grasshoppers, and God stayed his hand. So Amos is begging him again. And, yeah, you're going to see here in just a second, God stayed his hand the second time. So you see the recipe. You see the request. But I want you to notice the response from the Lord. Notice what it said in verse number 6. 
The Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord God. This shall not be. God let him see what it's going to be. But Amos became a blessing to the people of the land because he interceded on their behalf. And there's still a blessing of a praying people to a preacher. What, what possible difference could little old me make? Listen, if God could use a herdman and a gather of a sycamore fruit tree, man, I'm glad he can use me and he can use you. You say, well, I can't preach a sermon, yet you can pray. You say, well, I can't sing a special, but you can pray. I can't teach a Sunday school class, but you can pray. I can't drive a van. I can't teach the little. I can't do this, that, and the other. Vacation Bible school, you could go on and on. Can't run the sound run. Can't sing in the choir. Can't do this. Can't be the treasurer. Can't be the clerk. I can't be uh, the secretary. Can't be the youth pastor. Can't be the college a career pastor. Can't be the pastor. But there's something you can do, and you can pray. You don't have to be in a four-wall building to pray. I'm glad you can, and I encourage that. This is a special place. This is a hallowed place where you can come to an old-fashioned altar. You can bring those burdens. You can bring those deeds unto the Lord because all of us got some. And somebody said, well, you know, uh, such and such getting ready to have some minor surgery. I promise you this, it ain't minor to them. And we can pray collectively, but you can pray privately. But notice the request, notice the recipe, but notice the response of God. And the response of God was based on several things. And this is where I want to dig for just a second. Because he's already stayed God's hand twice. And that grasshoppers and now this devouring fire, God said it shall not be. Well, God's response to not bringing about this judgment was based, number one, I believe, on his compassion. I mean, why did God, was God right in judging uh, the people of God, they had played the harlot. It's a time of strength, security, and stability. I mean, they, everything seemed to be good to the north. Everything seemed to be good to the south. Yet people, had for they were going through, they were enthusiastic about their celebration. Religious activity was going on uh, to and fro. And they were more interested in making money than they were in worshiping God. And they didn't think about God. God was just to judge them. But there was a blessing of a praying people to a land. Because here Amos prayed, and I believe he got a hold to the heart of God in his compassion. I think about the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 9. Remember when that great crowd had gathered? In Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36, but when he, that he is Jesus, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I'm glad tonight that our God's got compassion. I'm glad God don't have the same compassion I got, Brother Randy. I don't have that same compassion. If you're honest, you probably don't have that same compassion. I mean, you don't have the same mercy. You don't have the same grace. Now, now we ought to be working toward, you know, being like the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be conformed to the image of His dear Son, according to Romans chapter number 8. Now, we ought to grow in, in that progression as we mature in the Lord. But our compassion is not like his compassion. But I'm glad he's compassionate. I believe the reason that he stayed his hand with the grasshoppers and he stayed his hand with the devouring fire is because there was a blessing of a praying people to a land. Amos got his attention, but the reason that he responded and stopped that judgment was because of his compassion. We think about lamentation. Songs been written about it. One of my favorites great is thy faithfulness and boy that's a picture of God he's faithful but the Bible said this in Lamentations 3 verse 22 and 23 it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed if it wasn't for the mercy of God I wouldn't be here I hate to break it to you but you wouldn't be here either if it weren't for the mercies of God but it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions Fail not. Boy, we got a compassionate God. <laughs> I don't even think we even grasp it. We, you, you, you can't even grasp it. it. It's so infinite that, that His compassions are so real. They're so genuine to you and I. And man, they never fail. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 23 of Lamentation 3, They are new every morning. What's that? That's His mercies. His mercies are new. His compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
A lot of things you can't count on here in 2024, but you can count on God's mercies. You can count on God's compassions. And that's one of the reasons he responded. He stayed his hand and said, it shall not be. Yeah, now understand, don't, don't, don't miss the point that Amos invested. Got a hope to heaven, got a hope to God. And God responded in a positive way because of his compassion. Not only do I believe he responded because of his compassion, but also simply his character. His character. Now, Amos said, Lord, think about Jacob now. And that, that Jacob is, is synonymous for the nation of Israel. He's small, Lord, in, in comparison to the world. He's small. He's not real big. Lord, if you send those grasshoppers, he'll not survive. Lord, if you send that, that devouring fire and you touch the surface, you touch underneath the surface subterranean, he'll not be able to survive. God said, all right. It shall not be because I'm compassionate. And it shall not be because my character demands it. Think about this, Psalm 145, verse number 8 and 9. I love this. Get it now. Just these first four words, the Lord is gracious. Man, that'll preach without me saying another word, Brother Kevin. The Lord is gracious. But he didn't stop there. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Here we are again. That's a testament to God's character. He goes on to say the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. You know, all of us are built a little bit different. Some things set y'all off that, that may not set me off. There's things that set me off that may not set you off. Mine's still the bicycle. I just hate to say it, it is. I'm still trying to work on that. You say, well, man, that's crazy, preacher. Why do you let that get to you? Christy asked me the other day, she said, don't you ever worry about anything? I said, well, and I really can't think of anything right at this specific time. But if I'd have thought about it, that worries the devil out of me when I get behind the line. I'm getting mad right now. I'm getting in the flesh right now preaching. Get behind on Flint Hill Road, you can't pass them. You say, well, that's crazy, preacher. Well, there's things that probably set you off that I think is crazy, too. But all of us got something. And maybe we're quick. But listen, our God's not like that. Amen. His character. Why in the world did he stay his hand and say, this shall not be? Well, Amos hit his knees. But based on his compassion, based on his character, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Even the lost man. Bible said the rain uh, falls on the just and the unjust. The Lord's good to all. Well, how's, how's the Lord good to a lost man? Well, the Lord uh, hadn't, hadn't, he, he hadn't drawn his last breath yet. He's still got an opportunity to be saved. Amen. He sure has. Still got an opportunity. The Bible said the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Think about the tender mercy. It didn't say the tough mercies. No. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but think about the difference between tender and tough. Didn't say the Lord's tough mercies, did it? Said tender mercies. How many of you ever eat any alligator? Anybody ever eat any alligator? Well, two or three. I can tell you right now, I don't want no more, son. I can tell you that. I don't know if it was me just watching Scott McNeely roll that stuff in his old hands, and, and if he's watching that, he'll probably get mad. But anyhow, he was rolling that stuff up and put it on the grill. And the best way I can describe this, Brother Dennis, I know all of us have probably been around farm ponds, I mean, a lot in our lifetime, around those old cattle sheds and, or, or, or those watersheds around cattle barns. And, and you go around there, and it's, there's just the smell of algae, just that algae. So you, know, you ever catch a, a turtle, that turtle's got a smell, so it's sort of fishy smell, like a frog, Sister David. <laughs> Here we are talking about frogs again. But when I eat, when I put that in my mouth, and I couldn't believe I eat it, but I said, I'm going to try it. And I put it in my mouth, and it tastes like a pond smells. <laughs> now, the texture of it was like if I went outside and got my pocket knife and cut off a little piece of the tread on your tire, that, that's how tender it was. It was tough, son. Now, and then he said, oh, well, you, we got plenty. You get some more. I said, no, man, I, I'll take me some catfish. Now, listen, you get a filet. You get that thing, Brother Kevin, where it just melts in your mouth, and tender ain't nothing like that. But you think about the difference of tender and tough. It didn't say God's tough mercies, his tender mercies. He's tender with us. Best way I could describe that tender, if you'll watch Christy with Gracie, if, if, if they ever come up a flight of stairs, 
Because she ain't going to be dragging her roughly and, and, and being tough. She's going to take that hand because Gracie's got a little bit of a depth perception and, and sometimes steps again. I mean, she does good, but you've got to navigate through and you've got to be tender. You've got to be easy. That's how our God is. He don't just shove us. He don't just drag us. Thank God he's tender. We all to say amen right there tonight. Because he said this shall not be because of his compassions. I believe that's why. His response was, it shall not be. And I believe that was based upon his compassion. I believe it was based on his character, but here it is. I believe it was based on our call. Our call. On the call of Amos. Amos was the one that invested in prayer when he saw the judgment of God. He said, Lord, I, I beseech you. I, I beg you. God, I need you to intervene. I I'm helpless. I'm just a herdman. I'm a gatherer of sycamore fruit. There's only so much I can do, God, but I know with your compassion. Lord, I know with your tender mercies. God, I'm asking you, please withhold this judgment. God said it shall not be. So you see, I believe that response was based on his compassion, based on his character, but it was based on the call. Now you think about this, what call? The call that, that Amos did in verse number 5. Now listen to this. Psalm 86, verse number 7, the Bible said, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee. Now that thee is none other than the Lord. For thou wilt answer me. You ever called anybody? Man, you call, 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 and you can't get them. They never answer the phone. Or you text somebody and they never answer. They never text you back like Brother Dennis. And uh, He said, well, man, I blocked you accidentally. And he did, that's what he said, I, he said, I pushed a, I pushed a button and I, I guess I blocked you, preacher. Well, boy, I'm glad when we can call on the Lord. There's confidence that we can have. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, this chapter number 4, it said, Let us come boldly under the throne of grace, boldly, confidently, boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, you might be doing pretty good right now. You say, well, preacher, I, you know, I'm good. You know, God's answered a lot of prayers in my past, and, and boy, he's met that need. Well, listen, if you live long enough, there's going to be some other bumps in the road. There's going to be some other things you're going to face when you're going to need God. Now, listen, we need him every day. But sometimes there, there, there are situations that come our way that, man, we, we've got to have God. God, God you got to move. you got to intercede. If you don't, it ain't going to change. God, I'm asking you, please, I'm beseeching you, turn this thing around. Hey, in Amos' day, he said, this shall not be. Two times God stayed his hand based on his compassion, based on his character, and based on the call of a praying people. And it was a blessing to that land. Think about this, and I'm done right here. Sister Savannah's coming. Jeremiah 33, 3, and you know this well. Said, call unto me. And I will answer thee. Boy, that's a promise. Call unto me. That's God speaking. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But that's our responsibility to call upon it. How's your confidence in prayer? You believe God can do it? Listen, I still believe God can do the impossible and the incredible. I've seen him do it. And he's never failed. What do you need God to do tonight for you? There's a blessing of, a bra of praying people. To a land. Amos was that singular one. I want to be somebody that makes a difference in others' lives. I want you to be somebody that can make a difference in somebody else's life. But the most important thing about prayer is, and boy, this is, this is boy, real deep. Most important thing about prayer is simply to do it. Now, that's elementary. But the most important thing to do is invest some time to pray with fervency and with urgency that God we've got to have you to intercede you might say preacher I'm not seeing God move uh, in a certain area or situation well let me ask you this Matthew 7 verse 7 and 8 have you been asking have you been seeking have you been knocking oh I've been criticizing preacher I've been complaining but I really hadn't been asking hadn't been seeking hadn't been knocking well it may not do it's not going to change you're going to have to call upon him confidently man we need God to intercede in our country we need God to intercede in our land we need God to intercede with some of these little ones in the back we need some God we need God to intercede with some of our bigger ones amen and older ones in our communion which we live and listen it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but God answered that he answered he responded 
to that need because he was compassionate, because of his character, and because somebody got a burden and called on God. And his name was Amos. He was a blessing of a pray. He was the blessing of a praying person or people to a land. Man, I want to do the same thing. What well, you got a need tonight? Have you been asking? Have you been seeking? Have you been knocking? If you hadn't, man, I, I challenge you. I encourage you. Whatever that greatest need is, beg God as we stand all over the house. Father, I love you. Now, Lord, I've done my very best, Lord, to empty myself the message of the hour. Thank you for the book of Amos. Thank you, Lord, for helping my heart personally. Lord, in relation to prayer, there's things that's beyond me, beneath me, around me that I can't change. Lord, only you can. Lord, I beg you in Jesus' name to do a work as only you can. Lord, no doubt with the amount of folks we've got in here tonight and those listed by way of the live stream, Facebook, CD, radio ministry, somebody has got a burden tonight that's bigger than they are. Maybe they've been complaining, maybe they've been criticized, but they haven't been doing much asking, haven't been doing much seeking, haven't been doing much knocking. God, I pray that you'd help them to see that you want to hear from your children. Lord, thank you for your compassions. Thank you for your character. Thank you for those tender, tender mercies. And I thank you for your faithfulness. God, move. Meet the needs of your people tonight. Save the lost, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. You mean heads are bowed and eyes are closed for a few moments tonight. If you've got a need, you can come. You need to do some asking. need to do some seeking. need to do some knocking. Well, I'm telling you, he's faithful. You can come boldly to him to meet that need. Sing a little bit of that, sister, if you can. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat-and-meet service, after our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. 
Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.